You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. I'm excited to, to be here. Let me introduce myself. My name is Chris Griffin, and uh, I've been a pastor uh, for 22 years. I know I, I don't look that old. I started when I was four years old. And uh, why are you laughing at that, huh? Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to, to be here, and uh, I've, I've known Nick for, for years and years. Uh, I actually knew Pastor Nick before he met Heidi, and uh, we were together on staff at, at Allison Park Church for, for years and years. And uh, I also uh, am, am married and have four children, similar to, to the pools. And uh, so I want to show you this. Here we go. Uh, that's my beautiful wife there, uh, on uh, the two of us uh, on, the, on the left. And then those are my uh, children. We have four kids, two boys, two girls. Uh, Michael's there on the left, and then Sam up top, and then Rhea kind of in the middle, and then Julia on the right, and uh, ages 14 through 7, and uh, so we just, we, we love life, and uh, excited to, to be here with you today, and uh, honored to be able to speak in this series that we're in, Suit Up is, is what we're talking about, and we're in the book of Ephesians, specifically chapter 6, and in this series, we're, we're looking at four specific verses, uh, verse 10, 11, 12, and, and 13. Are the verses that we're studying? So, if you want to, you want to turn there uh, together. And we're in this series, and I'm I'm thankful, grateful that Pastor Nick gave me uh, one verse to cover, and it's it's all about uh, Satan's kingdom. All right, so we're going to try to make today all about Jesus. Can I get a good amen? Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna look at knowing our enemy. That's the the title of today's talk, and and really looking at at verse 12 here. So Ephesians chapter six verse 12. And, and maybe you weren't here last week to get an understanding and a background of the whole series, but we're looking at the, the impact that spiritual forces have on our lives. And, and the armor of God is, has, has equipped us to prepare ourselves for battle. So that it kind of is, is an obvious statement. So you need to have armor in order to be prepared for battle. And so the, the Apostle Paul is, is giving us these instructions. So we need to have armor, the armor of God to prepare for, for battle. And so last week, we, uh, Pastor Nick talked about how there's a spiritual realm and a physical realm. So there's differences be- between that. And, and oftentimes there's this myth that, that we have in life, specifically in, in the Christian life in church, is that once we begin to follow Jesus, here's the myth, is that, that life will just give us an easy button. That, that once we begin to start to follow Jesus, that life will be easy, that God's on our side. And, and, and here's, here's what happens. A lot of times we have a problem in our hearts and in our minds understanding, you know, uh, good people, bad people, good things, bad things, and we think that there should be a, a straight line connection that once we're, once we're following a good God and he helps us become good people, that good things should happen to us and bad things should never happen to us. But the reason that that's a myth is because the Apostle Paul says, we live every day on a battlefield, every single day of our lives. There, there is, there's the kingdom of darkness that is at work all around us. 
And we, as followers of Jesus, we are now in the kingdom of light. We're part of the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? We're part of his kingdom, but, but we, we need to be aware of, of these things. And, and the, the strength that we have for this battle does not come from within ourselves. The strength that we have for this battle, no, that strength, it comes from God alone. And, and the key is being connected to the Holy Spirit. And he is where we find our strength. He's, he's the source of our strength. And, and last week, Pastor Nick wrapped up talking about tapping into the Holy Spirit, the power of God, through a personal prayer language, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we're now going to jump into uh, verse number 12. And we're going to study this together. Uh, but before we, we get into that, just a little bit of overview of, of Ephesus, the, the book of Ephesians, because it really helps us understand this, this spiritual battle. And so Ephesus, it was the epicenter of worship for, for most of the Greek and Roman gods. So the people that, that were, were sitting in their seats in, in the church there in Ephesus every day, they were aware that there was this, this worship of these, these idols, these Greek and Roman gods that were basically, they, they were demons that, they, that the people in that culture were worshiping. And this was their everyday life. And this is what the Apostle Paul is, is teaching and speaking and writing into. And you see here that in the book of, of Ephesians, it's separated into two parts. And the first part, the first three chapters, is all about the theology of the gospel. And chapter four, five, and six, and we're in chapter six, was all about how the gospel should affect our everyday life. And I, as I was preparing and studying for this message today, these verses, I find it very, very interesting that Paul puts this part in the practical living section, not in the theology section. He's talking about how we need practically, we need the armor of God. And, and practically, we need to be aware and know who our enemy is. And so Paul, again, he's writing out of this reality that there is spiritual evil all around. And, and there's beings and forces trying to undermine the church. All right, so now we're going to read together verse 12. So that's kind of the background about knowing our enemy. So if you have your, your Bible with you, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We'll have scriptures on the screen as well. And this is one of those very, very well-known, famous verses of scripture. Maybe you might have seen this verse on a, on a poster or on a Christian t-shirt. And, and the Bible says this, the Apostle Paul, he writes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. How many people have heard this before? Raise your hand. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Everybody say out loud, struggle. Come on, you can do better than that. Everybody say struggle. So, so the Apostle Paul is saying our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So he, he goes into no amount of time to try to prove and convince the Ephesians or us that there is a struggle. It's just a matter of fact, it's assumed in his first few words. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Or maybe a different translation you might have heard or memorized is we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And so this, this is the idea of, of this word in the original language. It's, it's a struggle, it's, it's a wrestling match, it's, it's a fight, 
It's a conflict. It's a, it's a contest to, to be contested in your world and in your life. And, and this, is, this is what we're gonna talk about today, is that times in our lives, when we wake up each and every day, and, and sometimes you just feel the wind of God at your back. You feel the favor of God. You feel the, the presence of God, that, that he's with you, that he's for you. How many people love those kinds of days, right? And then sometimes you, you wake up, and maybe it's a series of day after day after day, week after week, month after month, where it just it seems like, and you know that you're in a struggle, that you're wrestling with something that is, that is not good, that is hard to wrestle with, something that is, that is evil, these spiritual forces of darkness that the Apostle Paul is talking about. I remember for me personally, the, the very first time I had a very clear uh, interaction with, with darkness, with the spiritual realm, with the spiritual world, I was 19 years old, and, and I, was, I was following Jesus with, with all of my heart, all of my life. The, it, it, I was falling in love with him, as, uh, again, as a, as a teenager, a 19-year-old young man. And I remember I had, I had a really close friend. His name was Curtis. And the two of us, we would, we would get together, and we would passionately pray together. We'd study the, the scriptures together. And at times, we would, we would go out, and we would share our faith with, with different people. I remember this one time, it was on a Friday night, I was over at his house, and we had, we had spent, you know, a, an hour or so, two hours maybe, praying together, reading scripture together, worshiping together, and then we, we wrapped up, we finished, and, and we were going we were gonna to go out and, and look to, to maybe meet some people and share our faith, and uh, we, were, we were pretty radical, and I remember going uh, into a, a mini-mart gas station, and, and there was the, this, this other kid, other teenager that was behind the counter, we started sharing our faith, and at first he was, he was listening and, and open to it, and then immediately he switched into a very antagonistic, argumentative, screaming and yelling at us, cursing, using the foulest language ever, cursing Jesus Christ, and then that would go on for a minute or two, and then he'd switch back. And, and we, this happened multiple times, probably half a dozen times. And, and we were trying to figure out, is, is this guy drunk at work at, at the mini mart? And we, we left and we realized that that was, that was some kind of demonic force that we were interacting with. Our, our minds were, were blown at, at, and I just remember that. That really stuck out to me as, as a young person to, to experience that. And I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced something like that, but we're gonna now, we're gonna study into these, these four different dimensions, these four different fronts that, that Paul gives us some language for where he gives these four clear word pictures of, of what the kingdom of darkness is all about. And, and I really don't want to spend the rest of the morning studying the framework of the kingdom of darkness. I really want to equip all of us to know how to be filled with light, be filled with truth, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the darkness. Amen? All right, so the first, the first word, the first phrase that, that Paul gives when he's giving our struggle against the enemy, it happens on these four different fronts. The first one is this, rulers. Everybody say rulers. 
So it, it's the other the other word is is a chief. It's it's the it's the top leader. So the, this word almost always refers to a world ruler, like 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 a president or a prime minister. And this was the word that, that Paul was using, like like a king. In, in those days. These are powers and systems and traditions, structures, laws, and permissions that lie behind every earthly ruler. And it's against these things that we struggle. This is one of the, the areas where the struggle happens. And they are, are spoken or unspoken rules and cultural norms. This is, this is the effect of darkness in our world by which you know, the, the enemy is using certain people, certain groups, certain institutions to command or to tell others what to do in that, that ruler type of fashion. And so Paul is saying that we are supposed to struggle against these powers. But the way that we struggle against these powers is that we are to seek to liberate and free people from the power of the enemy. This is, this is why all of our efforts in, in outreach and missions is, is so vital and so important. So that all, all people that we come in contact with can become who God wants them to be. Through freedom, through liberty, through love, through justice, this is what God wants us to do. And so in, in, this, in this idea, this idea of, of the rulers, I want you to think now in your mind, the conflict that exists in our life every day between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of man. You see this clearly, don't you? We, we can see this so easily that there's the kingdoms of man that's set up all across the globe, and then there's the ultimate kingdom of God that has been around since the beginning of time, that, that God is the king, and, and he is working and using us as his people to establish his kingdom. So, so practically, I want you to think now, in, instead of just this idea of a ruler, what, what Paul's talking about is systems and structures, that this is where the conflict happens, in the systems and structures of this earth, in conflict with the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He said, I say to you, Peter, that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. This is what Jesus said to, to Peter and really to all of us as believers, to the, the entire church, capital C church. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And so that, that idea, Hades, that's basically the unseen world. That's what that word means. That, that the, those factors in the unseen world, Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church, the system and structure, the body of the church, and the, the system and structures of the unseen world cannot and will not overpower it. This is, this is a key idea of, of the power the power of God is far greater and far superior than the kingdoms of this world. Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, he said, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Everybody say power. And so this, Jesus, Jesus said, he said that, that the gates of Hades, the gates of the unseen world, will not overpower the church, and, and Paul is saying through the Holy Spirit to us that the kingdom of God is not just words, 
The kingdom of God is power. And so the way that you and I, the way that we win against these, these system and structures, the way that we win against the rulers in the, in the spiritual realm is when the church is advancing in power. And you're part of the church. You're part of God's church. You're part of this, this local church. But you, as a son or a daughter, as a believer in Christ, you're part of the church, the capital C church. And God wants you to advance in power. Amen? And, and we, we look around and, and we see that the, the wickedness and evil is, is increasing. But I just want to share with you a couple stats of, of good news to encourage you about the church. This was from a, a survey by Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary just last year in 2022. And it says that the current growth rate of the church globally is 1.17%. And, and there's... Uh, so when this study was taking place in last year, there was uh, 2.56 billion people on the earth that identified as Christians. And, and it said that, that if, if, the, if the gospel just was going forward at the same growth rate, 1.17%, in 2050, there would be 3.33 billion believers on the earth. And so the, the church is growing rapidly across the globe, actually far uh, quicker than just the, the natural birth rate. And the two fastest growing Christian groups around the world are evangelicals with an even higher growth rate, 1.8%, and Pentecostal charismatic Christians, which is almost 1.9%. And so in, in 1900, there was less than 1 million people around the world that identified as, as Pentecostal charismatic believers. In 2050, that number is going to top 1 billion isn't that incredible that, that the church of Jesus Christ is growing rapidly throughout the earth? And the place, this is the last stat I'll give you from this survey, the places where Christianity is growing the fastest is Africa, 2.77% growth rate, and in Asia, 1.5% growth rate. So the, the church of Jesus Christ is quickly growing throughout the earth, advancing in power. The second word that Paul uses here is, is powers or authorities. And, and this, is, this is basically the, the privilege and the freedom, the delegated influence that is, that is given to the, 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 the kingdom of darkness. And this talks about permissions and agreements. So the permissions which allow a person in, in power to rule, the power or decision making, the law making, and together with the principalities and powers are human power arrangements, such as political, religious, economic. And this term, it refers to both the power of the rulers, but also the ways that these rulers make laws and, and govern the people. So I want you now to think practically about the permissions and agreements. Now, now I want you to think about your own life, not, not what's happening in Washington, D.C. or Harrisburg or something like that. I want you to think about the permissions and agreements that you and I make on a, on a daily, weekly basis. So yeah, there's permissions and agreements that are happening uh, on this political, religious, economic front. But I want you to think now, because we're talking about the practical battle that you and I are in every day. What are the permissions and what are the agreements that you're making? The permissions and agreements that you're making with your words, the permissions and agreements that you're making with your thoughts, permissions and agreements that you're making with your money, 
with your actions. This is what we're talking about. And so in, in Ephesians chapter four, earlier in, in, this, in this book, Paul says this, therefore, chapter uh, four, verse 25, Paul says, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a place of opportunity. Or you might have heard before, do not give the devil a foothold. And so this is, this is what, what Paul's talking about here is specifically unforgiveness and bitterness. This, this is a foothold. This is a place of opportunity. An agreement or permission that we can give or some would say an open window or an open door to the enemy. And, and so I, again, I want us to think personally about, about our lives, about the temptations perhaps that, that you and I face. And, and Paul is talking here specifically about bitterness and unforgiveness, but it could be in any area of your life. Are there permissions or agreements that you have made with sin or with the kingdom of darkness, that, that those permissions, those agreements need to be broken, severed, ended, and you need to reestablish permission of God's Holy Spirit to come into your life, an agreement with his word. Second Corinthians chapter 10, again, we, we just read uh, in, in, in Corinthians just a, a moment ago, but Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle According to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. So again, this is what Paul's saying here, that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. The, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so the, the way that we win in this struggle against the permissions and agreements of, of the, the kingdom of darkness is we need to align our thoughts and our words and our actions with truth. We need to take our, our words, our thoughts, and our actions, and we need to say the, the permissions and agreements of my life are going to be aligned with the truth of scripture. And so Paul, Paul is saying, he's saying, in order to break agreements, we need to lay aside falsehood we, we need to, to intentionally not give the devil a foothold. We need to destroy these, these thought patterns that exist, destroy the arguments and the arrogance, and we need to take every thought captive. And so this is, this is the idea that, yes, we, we need to do these things, but more than that, we need to open ourselves up to the goodness, the grace, the power of the Holy Spirit in our world. Now, I'm not gonna read this passage, but Jesus talked about this, this idea in Matthew chapter 12 and, and in Luke chapter 11. So it's basically, the, you know, both of these uh, moments are saying the same thing, just the two different authors are capturing it. And Jesus talks about that when a house, he uses this analogy, this example, that, that when a, a, a demon is cast out or darkness is, is broken in a person's life, Jesus says, the most important thing to do is once that, that house, and, and the house represents us, our soul and our spirit, that once the darkness is swept out, that we then fill ourselves with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And this is the warning that, that Jesus gives. He says that if that doesn't happen, if, if the Holy Spirit doesn't come into that house, then what happens is the, the devil will, will go and find seven other demons and come back and take residence in that house. So this is a, a great lesson, a great teaching from Jesus himself to say, yes, we, we actually need to do both. We need to break agreements that we have with, with the kingdom of darkness. But more importantly than that, we need to fill ourselves. We need to fill ourselves with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I'll, I'll do these, these last two ones uh, quickly. The, the, the last two that, that Paul mentions here. Number three, he says, the world forces of this darkness. And so the, the word he uses here is actually specifically linked to, uh, again, this culture of the Greek and Roman gods in Ephesus. It seems here like Paul's using uh, mythical language and imagery of Kratos, the god of war. So, so he's, he's saying in this spiritual battle, in the world forces of, of darkness, there's this world dominating spirit of war and violence and aggression. And, and this is what Paul is saying. We need to come against that, that spirit of war, violence, and aggression, and, and to remind ourselves that there's a world going all, uh, a war going on all around us in the unseen realm. And as long as our minds, so, so Paul's talking about darkness, as long as our minds are blinded to that truth, that there's a war around us, we would also be blinded to God's love and forgiveness, his grace, his mercy towards all people, and, and, and we'll be tempted in these certain ways. So there's, there's this war and violence that's going on all around us. And, and here's, this is, the, this is a really key part. The way that we combat this war, the, the, the war and the violence that, that is all around us, we look to the person of Jesus because I want you now to think of the, the cross. We just sang about it earlier. The power of his blood that was applied to us. That day, that, that very first Good Friday, the day that Jesus willingly and, and in submission went to the cross, that was the, the most brutal, violent day in all of humanity. That was where this demonic spirit of war and violence was, was in full picture was on the body of Jesus on the cross. And how did he fight back? Actually, how did he win the war on that day? It wasn't through military strategy. It wasn't through his power. Although he, he has all power and all authority. The way that Jesus won on that very first Good Friday was through love and surrender and submission and sacrifice. Isn't that good news for you and I today? This is how he won the war on that day. The ultimate demonstration of that, that spirit of, of darkness, of, of war and violence was, was laid upon Jesus's body that day. And his response should mirror and set an example for us. His response was light over darkness. His response was love over hate. His response was sacrifice over selfishness. His, his response was the way that he was going to win the war was not with violence, but with surrendering his life. And ultimately he won the victory through his death on the cross. Amen. This is how we should live our life. In the face of the spirit of war and violence, we live our life with love, submission, surrender to God. 
And, and as we look at the fourth thing that Paul says here, I wanna invite the, the worship team, if you guys could now come up here as we wrap up. The fourth one is this. Paul uses this phrase. Spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And, and these phrases here, the spiritual forces and the heavenly places, these are neutral words. They're, they're phrases that don't have a, a positive or a negative meaning. It's just the reality that Paul is saying there's, there's spiritual forces all around and there's heavenly places all around. It's just the reality of, of life. And, and so what, what is the, the key word here is, is that middle word, wickedness, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And this doesn't necessarily refer to heaven itself or hell. It, it refers to the earth, that what occurs when the rule and the, the reign of heaven takes root upon this earth is that there's conflict. There's earthly and practical spiritual conflict that happens when the kingdom of God comes and takes root upon this earth. And so the way that we win this part of the war is that we pray the word and we pray in the spirit. We pray in our prayer language. And, and Jesus said in, in the Lord's prayer, this would be a great prayer to pray, is that he says, for us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when the kingdom of God comes upon the earth, that's where we sense and experience conflict in our world. And, and in, the, in the book of Jude, uh, there's only one chapter, but in verse 20, it says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. This is why when, when, we, when we pray in tongues, when we speak in tongues in our prayer language, there's a, a spiritual and significant dimension that happens that is beyond our natural earthly world. When, when we pray in our prayer language, we engage the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is praying through us. We sense and experience the kingdom of God coming on this earth. And, and, and Paul says, again in 1 Corinthians, for the one, for the person who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit or by the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And so it's, it's a, a mysterious thing, what, what I was just assigned to cover the, the topic today of, of these spiritual forces. But we know that when we're praying in the spirit, we're praying in our prayer language, we're connecting into the mysteries of God, into his power, his wisdom, his knowledge that, that he sees everything that's going on. And the Holy Spirit prays through us when we're praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe last week, some of you were, were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You received this prayer language. I, I, I hope and pray that you know, me bringing it up again will continue to pique your curiosity and your hunger. And I hope and pray that at some point, all of us, maybe you've already received your prayer language years and years ago, but I, I would really encourage every one of you. I, I hope through this series and through this month that there's a hunger, a desire for the Holy Spirit, for his presence and, and this supernatural gift that he wants to give every single one of us to, to be used in this spiritual war that's happening all around us, to build ourselves up in our most holy faith.
This is what God wants for you and, and for your life. He wants you to live in this power and in this victory that Jesus gives to us against the spiritual forces of darkness in this earth and in this world. I wanna invite you, could, can we all stand together to our feet? I want you to, to close your eyes and I want you to, to lift your face now towards God. Just lift your face up towards the heavens. And I know this is the, the first time I'm, I'm meeting many of you, but I want to, to give everybody here an opportunity to experience salvation. You know, in, in the, the end part there of the message, I was talking about Jesus on the cross and him shedding his blood, offering forgiveness and, and bringing the ultimate victory to you and to me. And, and maybe you've never placed your faith in him, in that ultimate victory, in that forgiveness that's offered to you. Maybe today's the first time you've, you've been here to this church. Maybe you've heard the gospel message many times, but have yet to surrender yourself fully to him. I wanna give every one of us an opportunity to simply express our desire and our faith in Jesus through a salvation prayer. And I'm gonna invite all of us to pray this out loud. This is for those of us that are walking with Jesus and you know your sins are forgiven. This would be a, just a great time for a recommitment and a rededication. But if I'm talking to you and maybe you're unsure about your forgiveness, your eternity, this is an opportunity for you to know for sure that you've placed your faith in Jesus, that your sins have been forgiven, that your heart has been made new, that you've, you've turned your back and repented on sin and, and your, your mistakes, your failures, your errors in your past. Again, every, every eye closed, lift your face towards God. Would you just put your one hand upon your chest? And every voice, can you just repeat after me? Loud and clear, every voice. Jesus Christ, I give my life to you. I surrender myself to your will and to your word. I turn my back on all of my past sin and failure. I ask for your forgiveness to cover my life, for your blood to cover my heart. Make me a new person. I am your child. I choose to follow you all the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 